Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by my partner in crime, Jack of all trades for the podcast, Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven, manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. It is NFL week four as the quarter turn under the old schedule would be upon us. Uh, Not quite 25% of the schedule for everybody playing 17 games now, but nonetheless, uh, we are nearing the one month portion of the NFL season. Uh, Alex, good to have you aboard again. How you doing, my man? Greg, I'm doing well. Another uh, successful Thursday night. I know we were both on the Bengals. So that was... Another successful Thursday night. How quickly you forget how disgusting last Thursday was with that. Wow. Uh, we we move on. I'm saying we another. Wipe that out of our memory. Night. Exactly, because yeah, we had we had to have had some other successful Thursdays to start. Did the we? Did we finally get a primetime over tonight? No, we did not. Stayed under, huh? Stayed under. And then, uh, you know, what's that make it? I think it's eight and three now. And the, the okay. few that went over, there was Bill's Titans went over by the hook. Oh, and last week went over. And then, yeah, depending on what number you got. So there were 39s. I got 39 and a half, so I barely stayed under. Just depends. You know, the closing line, I assume, is what most go off of. So it went over the closing line. Sure. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into this week four board. And I guess on the broad level here, before we get into each game, we were talking before we jumped on a lot of short numbers this week. And we don't really have, like I mentioned, Arizona as a dog that I think might be trendy. But there really aren't that many uh eye appealing underdogs here i'll be curious to look at some of these betting splits in terms of what i mean maybe baltimore at home but they are playing buffalo uh, i mean it just feels like this is a uh, a tricky board this week yeah absolutely i don't see one dog that i think will be getting a ton of money you know we generally love taking a jacksonville granted that's not over a touchdown Normally, you could look to like a Patriots Belichick team, but that's the backup quarterback, and you're still not even getting the 10 now. It's down to nine and a half. I feel like against a fully healthy and playing well Chargers team, we're definitely over seven for the Texans, but instead we see them around five with the Chargers playing poorly and hurt. Yeah, 
a lot of short numbers and a lot of line movement. So that that Chargers game opened six and a half down to five. Seattle, Detroit mm-hmm. opened six, six and a half down to, four, down to yep. four. So and, a lot and of Sunday movement. Night football uh, with a line move that I think neither one of us really understand. No, that's yeah, that's insane. Chiefs go from three point favorites to one point underdogs in you know like two three days. Well, let's get to the specifics of the week four rotation, and we're going to go across the pond as we get started with the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. A two and a half point favorite role for Minnesota here, a total of 43 and a half, which to the naked eye seems a little low given how fast Minnesota can score, uh, given, uh, you know, the way the Vikings, much to our chagrin, Managed an outright win last week despite uh, not covering against the Detroit Lions and heard us uh, laying the points in our contest. But nonetheless, uh, we move on and uh, can't hold grudges in this space. And I think we both think Minnesota, the side here, uh, we mentioned line movement. This uh, not nearly as drastic as some of the other line moves that we already mentioned. But I think both of us kind of thought if this number would go anywhere off the open of three, we'd see it tick up. And we're seeing... uh, Hard two and a halves now, so a, a slight appetite for the dog here uh, amongst betters during the week, which I think is interesting. Of course, you never quite know with these London games. Uh, had there been a coaching edge in terms of experience, I've always thought maybe that helps and you want to bet the experienced coaching staff, but you don't really have that necessarily here as Dennis Allen takes over for Sean Payton and, of course, brand-new staff this year in Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell on the sidelines. So, uh, you know, you don't have that angle at play here, but I think both of us are just base, basing this off of Minnesota team. I believe we were both high on coming into the year. I'm holding a Minnesota to win the NFC North futures ticket and the Vikings are two and one, albeit not very convincing last week against Detroit and a pretty ugly game in their one loss week two in Philly. Uh, but I still think this is a Minnesota team that's going to get better as the year goes on. Uh, we mentioned the brand new staff, uh, a change in identities as well from the Vikings going more towards offense after all those years with Mike Zimmer and trying to be a little more defensive oriented. So I think there could be uh, an adjustment period there that will allow the Vikings to continue to get better as the season wears on. And and I think, uh, you know, it's more anti New Orleans than pro Minnesota. If we're being honest, New Orleans just can't score right now. And that's a problem when you're facing this Vikings team with the weapons the Vikings have at their disposal. The one thing that would concern me, not enough to not play it, is the fact that we are seeing such a low total and fewer points is going to be a good thing for New Orleans in this game. Uh, Having said that, Jameis Winston's been banged up. I don't know if he's going to play or not here. Uh, Certainly, if he doesn't, then uh, I would expect at least uh, this number to close at three uh, because Andy Dalton... I don't even think is like that Cowboys level hold it down back up at this point. So I, I definitely like Minnesota. I just think there's a little more stability right there. And New Orleans, uh, a team I was quasi high on entering the season and liked a lot of their roster around Winston. It's just not coming together for the Saints. They really should be 0-3 if it weren't for that miraculous comeback week one in Atlanta. So a uh, long-winded way of me landing on the Vikings minus two in the hook. Yeah, I laid the three early in the week thinking this would go up. So I'm a little nervous that it's down to two and a half, but still like the Vikings in this spot. I would argue that 
an injured Jameis might be worse than Andy Dalton. I don't know. It's pretty close. I, I might prefer Jameis actually to play because he looked inept last week. I just, yeah, I don't see how the Saints move the ball that well. I did see that in 34 international games, the favorites are 23 and 11 against the spread. For what that's worth, I don't know how much that actually matters. Can't be, you know, too much said about that when you you're sending over like shitty teams like the Jags every year to get blown out. These poor London fans, man, we're trying to grow the game and we generally send like the shittiest teams over yeah, there. No one wants to play. Season, you would have thought, oh, Minnesota, New Orleans, that's not bad for the London fans. Yeah, no, it's, it's looking absolutely miserable. We're seeing a total of 43. And I don't know if that's quite low enough. The Vikings are going to have to push this over themselves. Yeah, I agree. Again, New Orleans just offensively is leaves a lot to be desired. And, you know, it's weird because I do feel like this team is very well-rounded. I mean, we know about the personnel they have on defense, but they've long been one of the better offensive lines in football. Now they have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara back in the fold. They draft Chris Olave in the first round. And uh, they signed Jarvis Landry, and they're just a mess offensively. So, bad quarterback play can really weigh you down. Yeah, and I was actually high on them as well coming into the season. I was kind of thinking James maybe like a sneaky MVP. Well, yeah, and, just... and Dennis Allen was the same guy that, uh, you know, Peyton gets COVID last year, and they shut out the Bucks 9 nothing. So, it didn't feel like a, that drastic of a move to go to him as a coach, but he was pretty bad as the Raiders head coach. Yeah, and I think what makes me more confident on the Vikings side is how they finished that game last week. Normally that's a game they probably roll over and just can't do it. You know, no, I, I think that's a really good point. This is a Vikings team that in the past would tap out, and the fact that they're able to get back in it and win. I actually think this can be kind of a bet-on thing. When you have sizable favorites that – look to be a little sleepy like Minnesota last week that comes back, even if they don't cover, they're able to grind out an ugly win. That's something in a lot of sports. When I see that, when I see a good team struggle, most of the game grind out an ugly win. I like to bet on them the next week, just on the basis that they're going to wake up. They're not going to allow the same slow start that they went through the game prior. Maybe it's more of a first half angle, but at this number, again, I think you can lay two and a half and feel good about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in the same mindset. All right, let's go to a divisional battle in Indianapolis as the Tennessee Titans travel north to take on the Colts. Titans catching three in the hook on the road. Another total nearly identical to the first game we talked about, 43. It looks like the total right now in this AFC South clash. Alex, I'm not going to bet it, but I, I, I definitely think the Colts would be the side here. I think the Colts can beat you in more ways than one. And, and Tennessee right now... They finally get their first win of the year. Ditto for Indianapolis last week, although obviously a more impressive win for Indianapolis against Kansas City than Tennessee against the winless Raiders. Having said that, uh, I, I just think that while it's fair to have your doubts about Matt Ryan holding up season long, you look at what he did last week, even despite getting sacked five times, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no picks kind of play mistake-free football, and the Colts were able to win a lower-scoring game in which Jonathan Taylor didn't do as much. And, you know, the Titans, I just feel like the path for them to winning games this year 
is a lot slimmer in terms of their avenues uh, to success. And they're going to almost be even too Derrick Henry reliant, uh, which in years past you could certainly make an argument for. I think that offense is missing A.J. Brown. I think the defense is just kind of meh. Not a lot excites me about the Titans right now other than Mike Vrabel. I know you mentioned it before we jumped on. Maybe that's exactly why we don't want to back Indianapolis. Mike Vrabel been a pretty good underdog. Uh, lean Colts, no play for me, though. Yeah, I would lean the Titans just solely based on Vrabel as an underdog. Another low total. This would probably be a good time to note that unders after after Bengals, uh, Dolphins are now 31-18. and 18. So that's why we're seeing a lot, a lot yeah, of low totals in the NFL now. Like, I mean, 43 just feels very, very doable. But also, I'm not running to take that with these I two. I do off- think there's going to be a market correction pretty soon. And, like, we're, we're not quite there yet. But everybody, everybody always talks about defenses being ahead of offenses early in seasons. I think that's part of what lends to that under trend early. Yeah, I think we're certainly approaching that territory. Maybe if we see several of these lower ones, like Vikings, Saints, Titans, Colts, Bears, Giants, if those sort of games go over, I think we're going to see these tick up. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. You mentioned the Bears and the Giants. It is a game on the NFL card, and we do them all in the rotation. So we have to at least acknowledge the existence of this game as the Bears are catching three on the road at MetLife, total of 39.5. And now it's maybe that's where I'm looking, given what we were just talking about. Thirty nine and a half doesn't seem low enough here. No, not with these two offenses. You know, some some fucking Giants fan is going to walk into the bar this weekend and ask for this game on one of the main TVs, and they're they're going to put him in the bathroom. He's going to have to sit in the bathroom on the tube TV and watch yeah, it's, this. It's going to be like uh, ESPN Zone. Except, like, where they have the urinal TVs. Like, he's, he's, he's yeah. going to have to, like, stand at the urinal for three hours. That's the only TV in the entire bar showing the game. He has to stand in there. But, yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, this is, uh, in all seriousness, I do think, like, the Bears were uh, gifted some field position last week against the, tight, against the Texans, excuse me, en route to their victory. And I still think it was, I believe, 23-20. So, barely getting over. 39 and a half um, last week on a last second field goal. Uh, they end up winning against Houston. So, I mean, Justin Fields just doesn't look like he can even throw the ball. And, you know, Danny Dimes is, we're, we're still waiting for Danny Dimes. It's funny. We talk about like how there isn't that like five to eight point dog that we just immediately are like, yeah, I'm going to take them. That's usually Danny Dimes. And we just haven't had that save for week one. When, you know, I don't like betting week one coaching debuts, and that's what Brian Dable was. So, um, you know, here are the Giants, I believe, favored for the third week in a row, which is just disgusting to think about. But favored against Carolina, favored uh, against Dallas, and now favored against the Chicago Bears. And Alex, uh, barring a tie here, would be fitting if this game ended in a tie. But barring a tie, the winner's going to be three and one. <laughs> Yeah, if you told me that before the season, I would have called absolute bullshit. I was definitely looking at both these teams under their win totals. I'm glad I didn't play either. I was really high on yeah, Giants under seven. Oh, absolutely. They're they're both going over somehow. Yeah, this game's bad. 
We don't like Danny Dimes as a favorite. We need them to go back on the road, and then we'll start considering the Giants again. I really don't want anything to do with this. Kind of look to the under, but I doubt yeah, I'm going to play. I don't know that 39 and a half is high enough. No, this well has enough. this has like 20 to 13 written all over it, and that feels kind of on the high end. Well, a game that certainly will have more than 33 points in it uh, features the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday afternoon. Buffalo laying three on the road, total of 51 Worth noting some line movement on this game. It looked like the hook was out there. If you wanted Baltimore earlier in the week, you could have gotten plus three and a half. And uh, the total, I think, is the more interesting move, Alex. Uh, I believe it's about a full field goal move off the opener of 54, 54 and a half at most shops. So uh, appetites for an under here. And given the success of unders and given high, high, how high this total opened, I guess not a surprise to see some under money come in. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised either, to be honest, especially after we saw those higher totals. Uh, I want to say both go under, but definitely Bills-Dolphins went went clearly under, and then it depended what number you got in the Vikings lines, because I know that finished 52, and I think there were 51 and a halfs and then 52 and a halfs early, so it just depends what number you got there. But that was another one that took, you know, every second to go over. When you see these really high totals, it's kind of tough to get to these numbers. I thought Bills-Dolphins was going to be an absolute shootout with the Bills secondary, just, you know, practice squad guys, so many injuries. And that one soared under. But with these two, great offenses and the Ravens defense just does not look right Right. recently, even against the Patriots, who I think Patriots have one of the worst offenses in the NFL right now. Just not many playmakers yeah. at all. They run the ball a ton. And I don't exactly trust Mac Jones. And, you know, the Ravens still had some problems there. I I would still take this game over. But yeah, I'm, I grabbed the three and a half. I would still play the Ravens at three. And I honestly think that this is a game where they're going to win the game. I think this is a spot to take the money line as well as the points. I think, I think they win this game. They should have Ronnie Staley back offensive tackle yeah which is massive i saw that about stanley the one thing i will say that gives me some slight cause for pause buffalo coming off of a lost period would be a cause for pause and then throw in the way in which it lost where you look at the box score and it's basically dominated by the bills in south beach against the dolphins last week yet the dolphins get away with the win I just think some of that might spell some trouble for the next Bills opponent, which in this case is the Ravens. And I'd love to sit back all the things you're saying regarding uh, the Ravens and Lamar and, you know, J.K. Dobbins a week healthier and just being able to hit some explosive X plays. Uh, but that's not happening to the extent you'd want it to, I think, if you're going to back Baltimore here. So. I, I don't seem to think that either either one of these defenses is super reliable. And um, had Buffalo lost, or excuse me, found a way to win last week, I'd probably be with you on the Ravens. But the whole, as I said, revenge game angle almost, or bounce back, snap out of it with the way the Bills are kind of perceived with the Super Bowl expectations, I just expect them to answer the bell 
I'm not saying they're going to win or cover, but like I could see that world existing pretty easily. Um, so I'm going to pass and just, you know, enjoy a great game. Yeah, that's definitely fair. And I can completely see that. I do think there is something to be said about Miami hangover after going and playing in that yeah, heat good point. a week before. I saw a great trend on Action Network. And it was that teams coming off a road game in Miami. They're 57, 79, and four against the and that's spread. And regardless of the time of year, because obviously early in the year would have more of an effect with the heat. Correct. That's 42% in their next game against the spread. Against teams. Yeah. yeah. That went It'd be uh, big. And that's the, the least profitable previous road city in the last 20 years for what that's worth. I, I think some trends are absolute bullshit. I think there's some merit to that one when you're going down playing right. in the heat of Miami humidity. I mean, Buffalo looked absolutely gas guys were cramping up left and right. IVs trying to cool down, just pouring water all over themselves. And they played a fuck ton. I mean, it's something to be said. That's a reason why we were back in the Bengals tonight is the Miami defense was on the field for 90-plus plays. That means the Buffalo offense was on there in high-stress positions the entire game in that heat, and they lost. Maybe a little deflating, and then they have to go back on the road again. Yeah, I I like Baltimore in this home dog spot. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a, a tricky Buffalo spot. You mentioned the back-to-back road games. Um, but, again, I'm a, a little leery of the fact that, again, last week was still a loss for Buffalo, despite playing really well. Let's go to another uh, game uh, between an AFC South-AFC West matchup, as we saw three of them last week all go the way of the AFC South team. And now the Texans look to get in on the fun. They're catching five at home against the Chargers. Alex, these are your boys. And the Texans, but uh, you know, all kidding aside, Mills Mafia, Mills fucking Mafia. You gotta ride with them here, and it's not even necessarily a play on the Texans as much as it is. What the hell is going on with the Chargers? They're charging already. They're supposed to wait until December to do this. I know you have to feel for that fan base, man. Yeah. No Bosa, no Slater. They're starting tackle. Keenan Allen left practice today. Herbert just trying to play through this rib thing, seemingly all year. Yeah, that's one of those injuries that just takes time, right? I mean, they right. shoot him up, they can dope him up, but how effective can he be? I mean, last week he looked very hesitant and lost. That was not the Chargers offense we're used to seeing. I also saw J.C. Jackson and their starting center were both limited in practice today. That's huge, especially Jackson against you know an offense that doesn't have the best weapons. So seeing the Chargers' best cover corner being limited. That's massive. I took the I took five and a half. I'd still grab five. I think this is a game that the Texans win. This is definitely worth a running line sprinkle. This feels like a very live dog at home. Yeah, I'm completely with you in terms of uh, kind of where these two teams are at. The Chargers kind of down and out and you know, while it's still early, I don't know that the Texans are the opponent that kind of wakes you back up. Uh, and the Texans, you look at them, they're 0-2-1, still hungry for their first win. Feels like a good spot for them. We saw them beat the Chargers last year late in the regular season to uh, harness the uh, Chargers' playoff chances significantly. 
Uh, so, and that was with a Texas team that is, you know, was much worse on paper than the one they have this year. Not that this year's team is otherworldly. Looking at this spread, spot. looking at this spread, this is kind of one of those limbo spots at five. Yeah, kind of a dead I saw, number. I read a great article today by uh, Pete Triskowski. Hope I didn't butcher his name too much. He's a writer <laughs> at Yahoo. He was saying, does the spread actually matter in the NFL? And it was really interesting to see. I've heard people he, theorize that it doesn't. Doesn't at all. At least, you know, the last two seasons it hasn't. He was saying that through three weeks this year, the spread has only mattered in 13.3% of games. And then dating back to last year, it was over the last 320 regular season games. So that was last year and this year. Spread has only come into play just 45 times, which is 14% of games. So it's pretty much the dog wins outright. Right. Or the favorite, you know, wins and, and covers this. Right. The point is, don't be afraid to lay points. And if you like the dog, sprinkle. Exactly. Which brings up another point I'm passionate about is don't buy the fucking hook. Like in that Colts game, you see three and a half. You like the Colts? Lay the three and a half. Don't buy it down to three. Don't buy it down to two and a half. I saw so many people on fucking Twitter today. One bozo in particular, some fucking capper. Bought the Bengals down to two and a half at minus 160 when there were minus threes open and available for, you know, most of the week. Don't buy points like that down because it generally doesn't matter. It didn't matter at all tonight. You were comfortable laying up to, you know, what it closed at at four. And that was never a doubt at the end. Just don't buy points like that. If you're so scared to lay three and a half, but you're so confident laying two and a half, then you should probably pass the game. The likelihood of landing three just just feels, you know, so irrelevant. I think people get so stuck on the times they lose by the hook. They only remember those few times. So they think, you know, this occurs all the time. But looking at these numbers, the spread rarely comes into actual play. So just lay the fucking number or pass the game if you're scared of three in the hook but you love two and a half. Yeah, just pass or lay it. All right, on that note, let's move on and go to the Motor City where the Detroit Lions are looking to remain unbeaten against the spread, laying four against the Seattle Seahawks. Another number with some tricky line movement uh, in terms of uh, the non-public spot, not excuse me, non-public side garnering enough for support to move this number down as per the case with Seattle, a total of 48, which ends up being one of the higher totals on the board for week four. Actually, I believe the highest second, excuse me, second to Buffalo and Baltimore, as we already talked about, but regardless, uh, Alex Detroit, uh, you know, as a short favorite here, was there, there's some number grabbing going on earlier in the week or legit cause for concern for Detroit. Uh, to possibly lose lose this game outright, as we talked about with the Texans. I don't think so in this spot. I think Detroit should win fairly comfortably. This line movement's a little interesting. I did see six and a half out there, and now we're all the way down to four. I think that's a little bit of an overreaction. I wonder if 
Swift, the running back, if that has anything to do with it. That just feels like a huge buyback. This kind of makes me want to buy in at Detroit at, at the four. I can't quite get there, but I think you have to look to Detroit. I would probably play yeah, this Yeah, you got to think about the buyback, right? Exactly. When it gets all the way down to four, I just don't think Seattle's very good. It feels like a bit of an overreaction. Well, when we talked about it, week one was the Super Bowl for Seattle, right? The rush game. Yeah, that's when they went all out. I mean, that was the perfect spot to buy in on the Seahawks there, and they proved it. Well, on that note, let's just keep moving then as, uh, you know, Seattle and Detroit, it might not be Bears and Giants, but it's not the most interesting game. We'll say that there's a little bit of intrigue, I feel like, in the Steel City as the Steelers laying three looks like it could be headed uh, to three in the hook against the, G- the New York Jets. Excuse me. Total of 41 and a half. And Alex, uh, Zach Wilson will uh, debut for 2022 with the Jets as he's back. Uh, but uh, all you Steelers fans continue to wait on one Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I can't believe how quick Tomlin shut that down. The press conference yeah. after the fucking game just said, no way. Yeah. He's really sticking with the vet here. I think this is a weird spot to throw, to throw Wilson back in, but I guess I'm looking at their schedule and I don't see a clear path to really – put him back. They got the Dolphins the next week and then the Packers and then the Broncos on the road. All really tough spots. So I guess, you know, now is the time to do it. But on the road against the Steelers defense, that's still pretty solid, solid secondary. Not good against the run, though. So probably look to some Jets running back props. I'm going to lay the points. I just really like the Steelers at home off a loss. I saw Tom when he's 17-10 against the spread off a double-digit loss. Normally, we love Tomlin as a dog, but, you know, short home favorite. This is also one of those rah-rah Mike Tomlin spots where he gets the team up. Like, you know, this is fucking do or die. If you can't beat the Jets team convincingly, the extra season's time over. to prepare, too. Yep, extra time. We love that. I mean, this is the Steelers season right here. And then they're they're playing against oh, Wilson. Absolutely. In the AFC, you know, you can't go to one and three and have a Jets loss and expect to even be a wild card. No. And I, I don't even think with a win they're a wild card team, to be honest. But this is one where you win and you win convincingly. I'm still terrified about backing Trubisky. He looks... Yeah, just fucking anemic. I mean, they have Playing all the skill positions. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm laying three in the hook. I saw some threes available. We'll see where this goes. Looks like the Steelers on MGM. They're minus three and a half, but that's minus one hundred five, which makes you think this might tick down to three come game day. But I think the only way to look is the Steelers here. All righty, let's keep things moving and go to uh, a game that's all of a sudden turned into one of the more intriguing games in the NFL Week 4 slate, despite the fact that it is one of the larger lines for Week 4 as Jacksonville heads to Philly. 
Uh, Doug Peterson revenge game, anyone? I don't know that I'd call it a revenge game because he did win a Super Bowl for the Eagles. But obviously, anytime coach gets fired, it may not always end on the greatest of terms. And so Doug Peterson brings his Jags to Lincoln Financial Field with the Jags catching six and the hook. Uh, total in this game appears to be sitting at approximately 45 and a half at the majority of shops. Uh, Alex, we're going to be on the Eagles in the first half here. Eagles have been a machine in all three first halves. They've played slow in each of the second halves. So I guess as an Eagles fan, I'd like to see a more complete game out of them. But having said that, defensively, they've improved significantly the last two weeks. And that's really where I'm looking at it from a Trevor Lawrence perspective, uh, you know, given what this Eagles defense did. Not even just to Carson Wentz last week, sacking him nine times, but forcing Kirk Cousins into some er- plenty of errant throws. I-, I think this is definitely a step up for Lawrence in his kind of uh, sophomore rebuild, you know, type season where he reminds everybody of the guy he was at Clemson and the guy that went number one overall. I, I just don't love this spot really for the Jags entirely. They had to travel cross country to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. And even though the Chargers look horrible, now the Jags have to travel again and go to Philly against a team that is clicking on all cylinders and at the very least right now appears to be the best team in the NFC for what it's worth in early October, which isn't much. But uh, I, I think, again, Eagles in the first half, minus three and a half, minus four is the widely available number. I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at here on the basis of Another good Eagles start, and then also Jacksonville in, in a tricky, tricky spot here. Yeah, you nailed it. It's kind of shocking to see the Eagles' second half so far this season. They've only scored two second half touchdowns, and that they both came in Week One. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm laying the first half minus four. I would lean the over, but just. For whatever reason, they come out really hot, and then they sort of let off the gas. They're just kind of going cruise control, yeah. So, exactly. um, you know, but, you know, we speak about low totals. Given you have Jalen Hurts playing really well and Trevor Lawrence playing pretty well for Jacksonville, I, I agree with you in terms of the over being a lean here. Yeah, and then I'm just I'm looking at these first half scores. They were up 10 in week one. They were up 17 in week two. And then last week, they were up 24 on Washington. And then, you know, the game in Washington finished 24-8. So they only surrendered eight points in the second half. But they completely dominate the first half. I would not be too afraid to, to lay the six and a half, you know, total. But I feel way more comfortable just looking at the first half with these Eagles games right now. No, it's certainly the the proper way to dissect the birds at the moment. They've been getting out of the gate hot and kind of just uh, sitting on leads and and doing a nice job of of just that, particularly against Minnesota and Washington the last couple weeks. Speaking of Washington, the commanders head to Big D to take on the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and it looks like a hard three on Dallas is being dealt at a lot of shops, minus 20, minus 115, things like that. Low total, surprise, surprise, 41 and a half. Having watched the entire game last week, Washington's offense certainly looked extremely anemic, and you can talk about assigning blame or credit to you know, the Eagles' defense playing well, Washington's offense not playing well. 
obviously it's got a little bit of be a little bit of both when it comes to the commander's performance last week against the Eagles. But it's a new week, and as we talked about the beginning with Minnesota kind of hurting about hurting us, uh, you don't want to hold grudges. You want to go back to the well when the time is appropriate and don't let the recency bias of losing with a certain team, however stinky it may be, get in the way of things. And if you can't get my drift, I'm going to be on Washington again here, holding out for a three in the hook. I, I, on the basis that I just think that Cooper Rush is going to make a mistake at a certain point and in a tight game that could prove costly. Uh, and the Cowboys, while they've been a nice story last couple of weeks without Dak Prescott, um, I, the, I feel like we are immediately going to start to see a betting bandwagon align for them. And I'd be curious, again, bet splits on this because it feels like uh, there's enough Cowboys Kool-Aid to drink, and now it's just a matter of how many people are going to the cooler and filling themselves up. So all of that is to say that I think the Cowboys are in for a little negative regression. You think about the games they've been playing with Rush, lower scoring games uh, in which he just plays mistake-free football. Well, that's the biggest reason I'm holding out for that hook, as I think if I can get it uh, and take plus three and a half with Washington – uh, there's a decent chance that at the absolute worst, this is the same kind of Cooper Rush mistake-free football, but giving me that hook, I'm not sure that Dallas uh, would cover again here. So, uh, and, and if you believe in the 3-0 and ATS trend, not that that's what Dallas is, but that's what Rush is for his career. So it just feels like there's going to be a little bit of, he's going to look like a backup quarterback sooner or later. Um, and the commanders, albeit stinky, are the side that I'll be on here. So stinky. So stinky. Oh, I hate it, but you have to do it. I mean, the commanders look like the worst team in football last week. And it's a good thing that we don't hold these grudges or I would never bet Washington again <laughs> after last week's performance. Yeah, you got to you gotta take the points here in this divisional game. I'm seeing some three-and-a-halves available. It looks like DraftKings is at three-and-a-half. Several others, so that makes me think you might get the hook here. I took three. I feel fine about that. This feels like a game that the commanders will win. Like you mentioned, Rush, you just there has to be some regression here. My biggest yeah, I mean, concern, I feel like though, kind of just doing what he's been asked to do, distributing the ball, CD Lamb exactly. making one-handed Stay catches free. in the end zone. Uh, you know, Pollard and Zeke both running well. And, and let's give Dallas's defense credit here. They definitely played well in the absence of Dak Prescott. But, uh, yeah, you know, Washington's they, defense they wasn't better. the problem last week against the Eagles. No, not at least in the in the second half. And they certainly kept them in the game enough to to, to win and cover at least. But And then their offense, I mean, they put up points week two against Detroit. So I feel like for Washington – it's just a matter of putting it together there's, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, there's there's certainly some hope there. You, you just can't score six points and expect to beat anyone. Right. So we're we're hoping that they can get both sides clicking. I am concerned about that offensive line against the Cowboys' defensive line. The Cowboys are their first in the NFL in average sacks per game, and we've seen Wentz sacked 15 times through three games, which is fucking absurd 
Yeah. So you just you hope they can sure that up a little and that that rush is going to make mistakes. I still think that Washington has arguably the better skill position to you and I would argue the way better quarterback, but Wentz has not <laughs> quite proven that. I'm I'm a lot higher on say, Wentz uh, than most. We might be on Washington, but that doesn't mean we think Wentz is good. <laughs> no, but we we don't think Cooper Rush can continue to string these games together, especially in a close divisional game like this. I think the points are at a premium, especially when you see such a low total, 41. Yeah, the points are going to be uh, something to grab here. I, I think Washington can win this game outright, but I'm liking the three. And I think Holding you can hold out the three in the hook. Yeah. All right, let's get to the final game in the one o'clock portion of the rotation. Front loaded with a lot of early games. Of course, we have a London game. And I guess just the way the schedule drew itself out uh, where uh, it's a lot of one o'clock Eastern kicks this Sunday. But uh, Cleveland heading to Atlanta, Cleveland. Uh, doing a nice job staying afloat early on without uh, the Talboy, Deshaun Watson, as uh, the Browns are a one-point road favorite against the Falcons. And now if we talk about 3-0 and ATS teams, well, that's the Falcons. As they should have won outright week one against New Orleans. Uh, were able to rally and cover week two against the Rams. And week three, they win outright in the Pacific Northwest against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, total in this game of 47 we talked about how Atlanta could be a sneaky over team. Marcus Mariota moving the ball and putting up points. And, you know, that hasn't been the problem for the Falcons. But I, I think when you consider the fact that uh, the defense leaves a lot to be desired, this if Cleveland can kind of do enough to play its ball control offense and Amari Cooper has a big game against Pittsburgh, then it does feel like, why wouldn't the Cleveland offense be able to do a lot of similar stuff in terms of ball control, establishing the line of scrimmage uh, and hitting Cooper for plays here or there again uh, against Atlanta here. So uh, I think I have a pretty strong lean here on the Browns uh, on the basis that uh, I still think Atlanta is one of the worst teams in the league. And, uh, you know, at this point, we're obviously not betting them at a number where uh, that back door is open or things like that. We're basically giving up a point, so more or less a pick them. And I think the Browns, extra time to prepare. A lot of positive juju, I feel like, with Cleveland early on right now, which I'll give them credit. I mean, I definitely thought some of the Watson stuff might be a little cause for concern, hangover. Um and they came out and won on the road against, excuse me, Carolina and Baker in week one. Should have won week two against the Jets, and, and then they win week three. So they're off to a nice start. Um, I'll, I'm picking up what the Browns are putting down here, so I'll uh, I'll probably be on the Browns here. I'm with you. I haven't quite got there, but... I think I'm going to lay with the Browns, especially after seeing this this line open three. Now the Browns are only laying one. It's interesting. God, I feel like Atlanta. But I'm not quite surprised. They were pro side last week against Seattle, and I did not understand that. But they won. Yeah, yeah. That I actually kind of like that. I did play the Falcons there on the money line. That was more a fate of Seattle than pro Falcons. I'm not really surprised to see this tick down just after 
you know, the Falcons are now 3-0 and against the spread. They always seem to hang tough, especially in that Rams game, which we did like the Falcons there a lot. That was one of those plug your nose, but, you know, you're getting 10-plus points Doubles, yeah. against the Rams team that we're not super high on. This just goes back to those teams. They're 3-0 and against the spread. Then come, come week four, just do not seem to cover. They're only 40% against the spread in week four. This feels like a great spot for the Browns. He mentioned should be 3-0. and yeah, I really like the Browns here. I think this number is way too low. And like I mentioned off the pod, just saying we should blindly just take Falcons games over. So I, I think I have to do that, 47. My only concern would be the Browns just, like you mentioned, playing ball control. control it up and win, next. like, 24 to 17 or something. Exactly. That's yeah. why I'll probably just play the Browns on the minus one here instead of taking the over. All right, let's get into the trio of late afternoon games now as the Arizona Cardinals head to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, and I mentioned at the beginning, I think – you know, we weren't quite sure, especially all these short numbers, uh, which way there, you know, you, where's there's going to be public money and, and things like that. I do think Arizona is a trendy dog here on the basis that usually better quarterback getting points is going to, um, you know, give enough people erections and just bet, bet the better quarterback getting points. Um, it is a 43 and a half, so low total. And I will say this. While uh, I know we've kind of been going back to the Panthers well quite a bit, and last week you kind of mentioned how stinky they were against New Orleans, but uh, they get home. Uh, you look at particularly the last two weeks for Carolina. I know it was the Giants and the Saints, uh, but the reason I bring up this Carolina defense is because, again, we have a low total, and I do feel like Carolina, uh, all the draft capital they spent the last few years on the defensive side of the ball – got to start producing some results sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting uh, you know, going to the offensive side for both these teams. Of course, it's the two Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winners, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, uh, at quarterback for their respective teams. But I, I do feel like this game is going to come more down to who makes more plays on defense. So I'll lean Carolina um, because, I, you know, without Hopkins still, Arizona just feels like a hard team to trust to move the ball and lower scoring game. That's kind of what Carolina has been playing. I know they've only won one of them, but it just feels like the game script might be a little more conducive to Carolina style here. So lean Carolina, I don't think I'll get there. I don't blame you at all. I think that's pretty solid breakdown. I did see that Quiff Kingsbury surprisingly is a very good coach as a road dog 14 three and two against the spread as a road dog saw McCaffrey didn't practice today again with a quad injury but he's been you know popping up on the injury report all season and he seems to play come Sunday I'm gonna I'm gonna take the points with the Cardinals here I'm gonna also play him on the money line I just I think they're the better team despite you know no Hopkins they they at times lean way too heavily on Murray, and it's it's a bit concerning when he's not making those absolutely insane plays on the ground. Then they seem to get a little stagnant. But I did I liked what I saw with their offense last week. They moved the ball really well on the Rams. 
Yeah, they couldn't quite score. They kicked a lot of field goals. I just think they're the better team. I'm not inspired by the Panthers at all. It's shocking to say, but is this uh, is this a coaching mismatch with Cliff versus Matt Rule? Better coach, better quarterback. <laughs> Gosh, Cardinals. yeah, that is uh, tough to say, but man, Rule well, that, looks that, fucking again, lost. That's why I'm just, I can keep coming back to thinking Carolina's a square dog this, or excuse me, Arizona's a square dog this week. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm I'm looking at also get them on the normal body clock game despite going cross country. How often do we see that? Yeah, great point. Four o'clock start. I'm looking at the action spreads and it's eighty two percent of bets and eighty five percent of money on the Cardinals. That's definitely yeah. the, the squarest dog of the week. And I am gonna be a fucking square. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go with the cards. Well, as Huey Lewis said, sometimes it's have to be square and uh I'll get to uh, my square dog. Uh, or, well, I guess they're not a dog. Well, they actually kind of are. We'll get to them a little later. Uh, but a couple more games in the late window. And I actually, this is my favorite play of the week, Alex. Uh, it, it takes place in Sin City. Uh, yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to convince me on this one because right. initially well, I was leaning Broncos, but I would love to hear your case. I'll do my best here. Raiders laying two in the hook. Total forty five and a half against the Denver Broncos. Uh the Raiders are 0-3, but I'm not yet at the point where, you know, you know I, I think it's interesting with teams that routinely lose close games. If you think that's bound to positively regress or if that's just a sign of a bad team. So you're saying you're not hitting the panic button because I would bet a lot of Raiders fans have already done that after um, the Cardinals game. I, I mean – Season long, I think that's fair, but I think in this spot, it's going to turn itself around, at least for this week. They have outscored the Broncos uh, 64 points for for Vegas to 43 points for the Broncos. The Denver offense has been just absolutely anemic, Um, and I, I look at the Raiders and think, okay, Derek Carr didn't protect the ball against the Chargers week one. You lose. You absolutely should have won week two. And that was your only home game so far. You absolutely should have won week two against Arizona. Uh, and, and last week, I, I, I think maybe the fact that they fought back in that game is also giving me some optimism here against the Titans, even though they didn't get the two-point conversion late. Uh, negative game script most of the way for – Vegas, they outscore Tennessee 12 nothing in the second half and fall two po- a two-point conversion shy of sending the game into an extra session. So I like the fact that they're still fighting. Again, 64 points is not greatest show on turf offense through three games, but it's better than what Denver's done offensively. And I, there's just too much talent on this team to keep losing those close games this was a playoff team a year ago that won 10 games and added Devontae Adams maybe they're going to disappoint season long and only go 6 and 11 or 7 and 10 but this is a good spot in my opinion to get on the Raiders you look at the the Broncos too and yeah like this is the ugliest two and one I've ever seen I mean Jimmy Garoppolo gives them two points and they win 11-10. They play the Texans at home, sleepwalk through that one, no cover. 
and they lose outright as nearly touchdown road chalk week one against Seattle. So the Raiders are clearly the best team in terms of offensive talent that they'll have played. And Denver's offense blows. And they're going to wake up in a divisional road game and all of a sudden score 24, 28 points, something like that, because that's what I think the winner of this game gets. So I'm taking the Raiders. Offense will play well enough. I'm trusting Derek Carr to protect the ball. And I got all kinds of concerns about Russell Wilson right now and this Broncos offense. Yeah, give me Max Crosby and Chandler Jones to make life hell for Russ. He's not cooking this week either. Raiders, minus two and a half. Is this a worse coaching matchup than Cliff Kingsbury versus Matt fucking Rule? I was going to say. Because it's close. I mean. It's honestly close. Nathaniel Hackett, listen, like, the other two, I feel like it's been like a slow death where, like, now surrounding both, there's, like, kind of negative stigma. Because remember, last year in Rule's second year, he started 3-0. and um, and really good against the spread. And really good point. against the spread. Like Hackett just right away looked like a complete doofus. He's and just completely out of his depth. McDaniels is inheriting, taking this Raider job with a bad history of being a head coach in Denver and is now 0 and 3. And this is a Raiders team. Game? Josh McDaniels revenge game. Can we call it that? Oh, there you go. Back to, back to his days on the Broncos. Yeah. Where or you stop shit, and he inherited a Raiders team that was really good down That's the stretch. What I mean. They're just gonna keep losing. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely like what you're putting down. I think I'll probably get there with the Raiders, especially after seeing a total of 45. It's one of the higher on the slate, which is which is pretty wild. It's still a fairly low number, but yeah, when you look to a Broncos team that can't score. Why is this total 45? They're expecting points to come from somewhere. Is the Broncos offense going to instantly wake up as a road divisional dog against those pass rushers you mentioned on the Raiders who are actually some of the best in the league? Yeah, I don't see it. I, I think I'm going to have to get here with the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just think the Raiders, you can, you can argue coming into the year, and I probably did make – because I had the Broncos as the odd team out in this division anyway – thought it'd be Raiders, Chiefs, and Chargers all in the playoffs. Um, so, like, you can argue that the Raiders are an overall better roster. I mean, the, one of the bigger advantages on paper would be quarterback for Denver, and, and Russ just doesn't look that good right now. So, and, and listen, it's not just all Russ. I mean, he's easy to make fun of, but, um, you know, like, the receivers are not playing up to their standard. And obviously, we mentioned the coaching staff, but, yeah, Denver is just – as I said, this is the ugliest two and one I've ever seen. So, um, oh, yeah, it's shocking that it's shocking that they're even that. This feels like a zero and three team. Oh yeah. yeah, and the Raiders don't. The Raiders don't at all. Yeah, I mean, again, absolutely have to win just the Arizona game. Like, I'd be curious what this line is if the Raiders adjust. Like, and this is where I think it's also you're kind of getting value. Say they just close out Arizona. And win by double digits the way they should have. This is at least minus three. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're talking about and, a key number. Right. Getting them so, under a field goal. 
Yeah, I like the Raiders a lot. Um, let's move on. Go to America's Dairyland. The Green Bay Packers laying 10 and a half against Brian Hoyer and company as the New England Patriots make the trip to Lambeau Field. Total of 41 and a half, it looks like. Alex, uh, I don't know, man. This is one where, like, and listen, I was team hoodie after the Brady divorce. And I got to be honest, you look at where the way New England's trending, and I, I know Mac Jones got hurt, not that he was playing that well early this season. Um, but the Patriots are staring down. How about this? Two of the last three years missing the playoffs, if they don't get there this year, obviously not looking good at the moment. And it'll be four years in a row without a playoff win. Because if you remember Brady's last season in New England, they lost to Tennessee at home in the wild card round. Then Brady left, and of course the Cam Newton year didn't make the playoffs. Last year made it and got crushed by the Bills, and this year might not make it. So New England Patriots are potentially going four years without winning a playoff game. That's really weird to say. Uh, but the Patriots are just another team right now, and that might be being nice to them. Um, having said that, I think we've seen that Packer offense struggle enough, namely last week, even in a win against Tampa Bay and week one against Minnesota, to where I don't know that I can give up this many points, even though they did cover a point spread of this area against Chicago in week two. I can't believe like this is the I think this is a CBS game like it's a Nance Romo CBS game and it has like corner TV at the bar vibes. But that's where I'm at with this game. Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty rough. I, I think even with Mac Jones in there is probably be like six and a half, maybe tick up to seven. Yeah. So I, I can certainly see the argument like is Jones really worth that many points is this is this an overreaction do you have to play the the patriots at I mean, this you know, listen, like, i could totally see a path in which boyer throws the ball 15 20 times the pats run it 45 times and you look up in the fourth quarter and this scores like green bay 13 new england 10 and it's like oh could new england steal this like i, I that world exists to me yeah. i don't know about you yeah no i i can certainly see that especially with a total of 40. So, you know, points are at a premium. This is usually a spot we we preach and would love to have, but I just don't think I can get there with Hoyer, but I'm also not running to, to lay the points with the Packers. I'm seeing nine and a half now on MGM, and I still don't really want any part of that despite being under 10 and against a backup quarterback. There's certainly a path that the Patriots just keep this super boring, real low scoring, and somehow get the cover in just a boring game. And I can't lay points like this with the Packers and that that offense just doesn't quite inspire the confidence. I mean, we saw last week put up 14 points, looked relatively good, and then did absolutely nothing. Granted, that's a way more difficult Bucks defense than this Patriots defense has looked. Yeah, I mean, you know, this just feels like it, there's a possibility of like a – 
double birds, I'm still here, Belichick game, right? Like, just. <laughs> I mean, if he's going to do it, it's got to be this one because yeah. his defense has been kind of rolling over, except against yeah, uh, it's Steelers' that. offense. It's miserable. Yeah. Not great. This is definitely a pass game. I really don't want anything to do with this at all. All right, we've mentioned some line moves on this pod that we haven't really understood or agreed with. Well, Sunday night game is that for me, as uh, it looks like uh, the game is going to continue to be played in Tampa. Um, and maybe that explains some of the line move. People just thinking that the Bucks are going to now get a true home game. Um, Chiefs, I think you said, are now a dog um, at plus one. Total in the mid-40s in this game, 45.5 is what I'm looking at. And that obviously is the type of thing that a lower total for a Chiefs game would certainly be good news for the Bucs defense. Um, As it's Sunday Night Football, Kansas City going to Tampa. But I don't know, Alex. I'm looking at the Chiefs coming off of that loss to Indianapolis in which they only scored 17 points. And, you know, unless... I, like you're worried about the Mahomes the enemy stuff. They were button heads. Like I just think this offense is going to get back on track, albeit against a really good defense. Gosh, can Tampa score right now? I mean, maybe Chris Godwin gets back out there. I think you said Julio Jones is good, uh, and Mike Evans will be back from his suspension. But I don't even know if Brady can really like get the ball to these guys enough at this point. He just really is starting to show signs of his age and. I'm sure some of it could be mental, too, with all the off-season drama that he's been dealing with. So Tampa is, you know, we talk about Denver being a, an unsexy 2-1. and one. I don't think Tampa's that bad in that regard, but they sure as hell don't scare me right now. And Chiefs off a loss is like borderline system play. So, again, it's I feel pretty square, but I'll take the Chiefs. So square. So fucking square. And I am completely with you. I'm sure I'm sure Sharps and Pros absolutely love this Bucks team. I I can't understand it. They can't really score at all on offense. Their defense, yeah. you know, has to keep them in every single game. How long can that last? You mentioned the wide receivers. Evans will be back for sure. Uh, Godwin did not practice today. Russell Gage was limited. Julio Jones was limited. How much does Julio really bring to this team? I mean, he's always one route away from going out with a hamstring sort of injury. I wouldn't put much stock in his return if he even does. And they just lean on this run game. That's really all they have. And the Chiefs defense has actually, you know, stepped up and looked pretty damn good against the run. They uh, they rank ninth in the NFL. They give up about 86 yards per game on average. They held Jonathan Taylor to 70 yards last week. I would argue that's a comparable run game. You know, I would say Taylor's better than Burnett, but Burnett is very strong. This is still what the Bucks lean on. You can't trust Brady to really win in a high-scoring game, hence the lower total. But the Chiefs' offense is capable of putting up ton of points like we uh, see you know, like yeah. if they get 21 i feel great yeah absolutely i, I don't think the bucks can really compete i'm quite confused by this line movement but 
I don't hate it. I, I definitely yeah, didn't like, want to lay the three. The fact that like the number opened with the hunch that the game would be moved, but I highly doubt that. Yeah, I can't imagine that they would they would hang that three, you know, week out thinking that that was a possibility. I think there's just a lot of confidence in Brady as an underdog, and rightfully so. Yeah, He's definitely really strong as a dog. Just like seeing Brady as a dog. Yeah, I think so. I I think the yeah. public's just getting sharper with all the sports betting content that's yeah. out there. I, I saw Brady's seven and two straight up and against the spread after a loss, and then I saw another trend that doesn't quite apply now, but that he's really strong as an underdog. Granted, this line flips, so he's not technically a dog now, but he has been throughout the entire week. I think. You have to look at the Chiefs here. It does feel very square, but I just think the Chiefs have way more weapons on offense, and I'll always trust Mahomes. They they gave that game away last week. I would say my biggest concern is the the kicking game, the Chiefs kicking game. You just yeah. you can't trust their kicker at all, which is terrifying in a in it's a close game. Like field goal not, range, what do you yeah. do? Fourth and mediums. I mean, they they have to go. Like if you're not Scoring touchdowns, you can't trust that kicker at all. You saw it against the Colts. Completely yeah. blue game. I mean, they, they should have easily won that. They just couldn't get it done. So special teams is a is a big concern here, but you got to trust the Chiefs in this spot. Let's wrap things up with another NFC West square dog, in my opinion. Uh I think it's going to be the Rams as the square dog catching one in the hook in the Bay Area in a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. Total of 42 and a half in Monday Night Football Rams and 49ers. Alex, I'm going back to the well on the the Shanahan McVay trends. Uh, I know that last year in the NFC Championship game, McVay got him, uh, although I think San Fran covered that NFC title game. Uh, having said that, in the regular season, Shanahan seven and three straight up and against the spread against Sean McVay always seems to be one step ahead of his division counterpart. And I, I do think the Trent Williams high ankle sprain is absolutely a concern here. Um, and but again, we talk about totals being low. I think that the San Francisco defense is really going to gobble up Matt Stafford and company. And this is a Rams offense that save for the Atlanta week two showing kind of stuck in the mud. I mean, that was kind of an ugly, albeit, uh, I guess, I don't know if there's such a thing as an ugly road division win, but that was pretty close to just that. And as somebody that had the Rams, I was always nervous about that back door and Arizona got down into the red zone down 11 laying three and a half. I'm already kind of bracing for the touchdown and the two point conversion and then not get the onside kick and Rams win by three. Fortunately, that didn't happen. And it ended up just being four field goals for Arizona last week. But maybe that also speaks to my point here. Rams defense played well against the Cardinals 49ers defense. Obviously, uh, whether you think it was bad Broncos offense or good 49er defense, maybe a little bit of both. I've sung D'Amico Ryan's praises plenty. I think he continues to uh, do a nice job with that unit. And you look at some of the other 49er games this season, of course, again, week two against Seattle and Seattle and, and week one, they played Chicago. So I guess this is a step up, 
But again, I, I the Stafford elbow thing is always going to be a concern for me. Uh, the Rams' run game has been average at best, I would say. Uh, I don't know how the Rams score here, and I, I think in a close game, I, I'm going to always kind of go back to what I started the handicap on, and that's the Shanahan-McVay stuff. So Trent Williams concerns me not being there, not enough to not play it. Uh, I'll take the 49ers in a game that uh, it's close to a must-win for San Francisco, too, at 1-2, and two, having lost to Chicago and Denver early on. So I'll take the Niners. The Trent Williams injury is a huge concern. That's honestly the only reason I'm not going back to the Niners yet. I mean, I know I'm going to play it. It's a Monday night game. You have to. That's one of the pillars of gambling. I don't care what anyone says. You know, past past games are good, but Monday night standalone games, you have to play it. I'll probably get there with the Rams, but very concerned about Williams. When he went down last week, the Get there with the Rams. Just, Get there with the Niners, sorry. But when he went out, the, the offense just went to complete shit. It was very concerning to watch. Jimmy G was, like, complaining about the play calling and shit. This offense has just looked fairly broken without Williams protecting there. I think he's a huge part of this offense. But, yeah, with the total this low, you have to lean to what I think is a way better defense. I'm... I'm pretty low on the Rams right now. I don't think their defense is that great. I think they're kind of overrated, to be honest. They have some big names who yeah, make some plays here. Like, I, I just maybe you can also argue like these teams are closer to even teams than we want to lead on. In which case, I know we don't think home field is three anymore, but I think it's probably more than one and a half, at least in San Francisco in a division game on Monday Night Football. So. I think you're getting the Niners cheap here, even if they laid an egg last week in Denver. Yeah, you'll be happy to hear that. Looks like, at least on the Action Network, I don't know, take this with a grain of salt, but the Rams are getting 71% of bets, but the Niners are getting 53% of the money. Yeah, it's generally surprising. Like I said, I thought Rams would be another square dog. Square dog, yeah. And like you mentioned, Shanahan absolutely owns McVeigh. I think the Niners are the only side you can look at here. All right, Maybe so some agreement to could wrap this number. Up. Uh, Sorry, could could this number tick down though? You know, as a Monday night game and Monday night, yeah. People loving the Rams awesome. as a dog. Yeah, yeah. Once everybody empties the bank on uh, Kansas City and Arizona, and they both lose, then it's like, all right, well. Oh, you got to get, get it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. got chase, right? Monday night chasing. Absolutely. All righty. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. Manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter. Alex, let's try and do a little bit better than one and four in our five sides contest this week. Yeah, goddamn. We need a five and a week, bad. This it's is the week. We're getting it. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll be talking. You too, buddy. See you later. All right. Again, he's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone enjoy week four in the National Football League. And, of course, please play responsibly.